Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. A big pleasure of this crowd I'm looking out at. Everyone's to be commended for, first off, for being here this morning, showing your love and appreciation to our Heavenly Father. If I can get this thing figured out. Get it working right here. Have you ever found yourself faced with some kind of difficult problem? Or faced with a situation that you weren't prepared for? Or maybe you knew it was coming, but just wasn't prepared for it when it hit you as you thought you were. But you got through it. Did you get through it and tell the world, look how strong I am. Look what I did. If I can get through that, I can do anything. Or did you say, thank you, Lord, for helping me through it. Now, someone that really points this out to us in the Bible, when you get thinking about this, is Gideon. I know we talked about Joshua, and I got a good lesson on Joshua. I just didn't want to bring another one so close to our Wednesday evening classes, but because Joshua was something that once I got reading him, I really got wrapped up in him. So then I jumped over and I started reading another and Judges, and I come across Gideon. Gideon's another one that that I can still kind of relate to. We see in Judges uh, chapter seven that. Uh, the Lord has chosen Gideon to deliver the people of Israel from the oppression of the Midian. And there are some of these words in here I might not pronounce right, but just kind of let's look at the, the storyline. But before Gideon could do this, the adultery needed to be dealt with. His father possessed large idols to Baal and Asherah. And at the Lord's command, Gideon tears them down, carries down those altars and those idols, and he erects an altar to the Lord on the stronghold of the city. Now with the cleansing complete, the Lord will rescue his people. It's the same thing with each and every one of us. If we got something simple in our life, we gotta get rid of all of that and open our hearts up for God. We can't split up our hearts in half and say, okay, this half is for, for me and my desires and this half is for what God, God wants me to do. I can just do that on Wednesday nights and Sundays. Do my part, wrestle with We can't do that. We gotta cleanse them off and to the best of our ability, serve God. We see in Judges uh, chapter 6, 33 through 40, kind of sets the pace for going into uh, our background for chapter seven. We're talking about preparing for faith. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East come together they crossed the Jordan River and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, what I want you to look at is consider what a powerful opponent this is with that kind of military alliance. But the Spirit of God closed on Gideon, covered Gideon, and he gathered men from Manasseh, Asherah, Zebulon, and Naphtali. Yet even with all this that has happened up to this point, the faith of Gideon is weak. Now Gideon desires a sign to know that God will save Israel through his hands. When we start into these trials and tribulations, these stumbling blocks I'm talking about in our, own, in our lives today, we pray and ask God, help me through this. Do we say, and I appreciate if you give me some kind of sign, give me some kind of feeling 
that you're going to be there and help me. God's already gave you that. He tells you in his word. You trust in him. You have faith in him. He's there for you. He's already gave us that sign. But here again, he wants that sign. So we're told, I think, around verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 37, that Gideon lays a, a, a fleece of wool on his threshing floor. It says that there's dew on the fleece of wool alone, but the ground is dry, then Gideon would know that God would save Israel through his hand. Now what I want to look at is this gracious, it's the graciousness of God. He answers this request. God does, just as Gideon asked. And there was dew on the flesh of wool, but the ground was dry. Now, was that good enough for Gideon? According to the scriptures. But the weakness of Gideon's faith continues. Gideon asked for yet another sign, that the flesh be dry, but the dew be on the ground around it. We notice here that God answers Gideon's request yet again. God will work with weak faith. And in the days of Jesus, there was a father who had a son with an unclean spirit. In discussion with Jesus, the father says, Mark 9, 24, I believe, help my unbelief. We see here that Gideon believes. He's there, ready for battle. He has sent messengers throughout the trials, has gathered up his great army. Gideon is not rejecting God. Gideon is not a rebel or an unbeliever. He believes, but he needs help, but it's unbelief, it's faith. God answers that prayer. Jesus responds to the Father. Jesus responds to the Father. The Lord responds to Gideon twice by giving him the signs that he needs for his faith. Now, when we take our weak faith, and submit it to God through prayer. God will take that faith and will give it strength. We do not quit when our faith is weak, but recognize that we need the Lord to give us the strength that we need so that our faith will grow. Then we're going to see in Judges uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 18. This question comes up, but do you really trust me? The Lord sees a problem. In chapter 7, verse three, verse 2, the people with you are too many for me to give the Mennonites to their hands, lest Israel boast over, them, over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Think about what God is saying. I'm going to do this, and I don't need all these people to do it. God's reason is very important for us to realize and consider here. God does not want anyone thinking that the victory that is about to be achieved against this alliance of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East has come from their own strength. This is, so, is important to God. God does his work so that no one has the ability to boast. All boasting is against God in this. What I'm saying here is that this is probably one of our biggest problems. We think that we can save ourselves. People in the world think that they can save their own selves from sin. From our difficulties. From our problems in life.
But saving is the work of God. It is not our work. It is the gift of God, not a resort of works, so that one may, may boast. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and, eight and 9. Now after describing our sinfulness and the sacrifice of the atonement that is made through Jesus, the Apostle Paul asked, uh, Romans 3 and 27, then what becomes of our boasting is excluded. God wants humans to know where the glory belongs, and it's not in ourselves. So God moves to show us our weaknesses. Now this is what God's doing with Israel now in this story. At this moment, Israel has over, and if I did my calculator, everything mustered over 32,000 men of war. We do not know this till later, but his, his alliance has at least 135,000 men. They were, they were a lot bigger. We look at that way. They were ready for battle. Chapter 8, verse 10. Now the odds are already strongly against Gideon. They're strong in the favor of the Midian. But God wants to glory. So God declares that anyone who is afraid, go home. Since they are significantly outnumbered, many of them are afraid. In my calculation, I have over 22,000. A large number have returned to their home, and left only 10,000 remained. Now Israel's opponents are, for the numbers people, like 13 to 1 advantage. But listen to God in verse 4. 7 verse 4, the people are still too many. God tells them, we outnumbered. But you still have too many people. Now, if I'm Gideon, I have to think, God can't be serious. This is already an extremely lopsided situation. But God says there are still too many. God tells Gideon to take the men to, to water to drink. 300 men put their hands to their mouths to drink water. While the 197 uh, men knelt down to drink the water. God takes a smaller number and tells Gideon that it is with these 300 men that I will save you and get the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go every man to his home. Seven and seven. Now the 32,000 soldiers have already been reduced to only 300 men. Now I want to make one point clear at this moment. The reduction was not about who was the best warrior. He didn't tell them to go through there and pick me out your best, 300 best warriors. <clears throat> God just wanted less soldiers, not the best soldiers. God's concern is reducing the number so that God's glory would not be taken away from him. I believe if the numbers would have been reversed, that those who knelt down to drink were 300, then that would have been the 300 that God would have taken instead of the other three. But the point was not chosen the best men for the battle. The point was God wanted less men so that all the glory would go to God and no other. We should always give glory to God. When Jesus was here on earth doing his miracles and all, he always gave the glory and the praise to the Father. But God also knows that he is working, what he's working with. He knows our differences. He knows uh, we are in our, how, where we are in our faith. 
after whittling down his army to only 300 men, God tells Gideon to go against the camp of God has given him into his hand. But now verse 10 says, but if you are afraid to go down, God knows the fear Gideon has right now. He said, if you are afraid to go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they are saying in the camp. So Gideon goes down and listens to the talk in the camp. A man in the camp was telling about a dream, about a cake of barley bread, tumbling into the camp and destroying the tent. The interpretation of the camp is that God had given Midian into the hands of Gideon. When Gideon heard this, he worshiped the Lord, Judges 7 and 15. Now Gideon returns with it, uh, to his 300 men with the strength of the Lord and tells them to arise, for the Lord has given us the, uh, the Midians into our hands. Gideon is weak, but God gives him the strength he needs to obey the will of God. And then we're going to see in chapter 7, verses 19 through 25, talks about Midian's defeat. Now notice when you're reading it though that the unusual means of this victory. The 300 men have a trumpet in one hand and an empty jar or pitcher in the other hand. That's not what we would think about going into battle with. Gideon and the 300 men came to the outskirts of the camp in the middle of the night. They blew the trumpets and smashed the jars with torches in their left hand and trumpets in their right and they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Israel's army just stood there. And the Lord sent the men and out swords against themselves. Others in the men and out army fled. And in this way, God gave victory to Israel and saved them from the men and out oppression. It tells us here that we are to trust and obey. Once consider what Gideon's part in this whole affair was. Gideon's part was to simply trust God and obey what God told him to do. God does not save by our strength. All that has been achieved has been achieved by the Lord, not by Gideon, nor these 300 men. Gideon simply had to listen to the word of the Lord and do as he had been told. Here's the point. God's power is shown perfectly through our weaknesses. God looks strong working through weak you and me. We look at all the things that in life that people do when, they, when they're in accidents and, and all. It seems like they say the adrenaline gets pumping into you and turn you into a super, you know, a superhuman like, and you're able to do all this right here. This is another example right here. Adrenaline might be pumping through you, but it's God that's giving you the strength to do whatever has been done. He does it through, through us. Judges 6 and uh, chapter 6 and 7 has gone out of its way to emphasize the weakness of Israel and Gideon. Now remember that Israel is helpless from the attacks of the Midianites. We said that in chapter 6, verses 2 through 6. But in 6 and 15, Gideon is weak and is cured. Gideon is basically a nobody when it comes to, to uh, taking part in this. He is not a significant or important. He was just the one God picked. Now chapter 7 continued to show Gideon's weakness by needing two signs with the fleece to know that God is with him and by sending him to the camp 
to hear the dream that the Midianite had. God works through our weaknesses. His saving power works when we are weak, not when we are strong and proud. When we're strong and proud, we don't feel like we need any help. We don't need anybody. I can do this myself. That's the wrong attitude. We need God. When we are strong and proud, then we resist the will of God. When we are strong and proud, we do not depend on our Lord uh, with our whole lives. It is in our weakness and helplessness that we finally give our lives into the hand of God. We are to be broken by our spirits, not strong in our sins. We are to be uh, broken by our emptiness in life, not strengthened by it. Now listen to how Paul describes this concept to the Corinthians. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the suppressing greatness of our re revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should lead me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ and I will, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Our weaknesses to display the greatness of God. I will be content with loss, with suffering, with problems, and with pain because it continues to move me closer and more to depend on the Lord. Now without these things, I would depend on myself, stealing glory away from the Lord to myself that God alone deserves. God gives us the strength we need for life when we depend completely upon Him. When we are weak, then we are strong. When we must accept our weaknesses. We must appreciate everything that, that God is doing for us. Can't touch these things in certain ways. But it's, it's our weaknesses that God will take us on. And if God will work through our weaknesses, it's His power that will uh, works in our weaknesses and make us strong and help us overcome whatever it for. That way we can't say that I'm doing this or I'm doing that myself. It's our weaknesses that display the greatness of God that we are to accept them. We shouldn't go out and say, well, I'm too weak to do this. We need to pray and say, God, I'll do this if you take me. Because God already knows how weak we are. He knows how strong we are. He knows what we need. To go on, that we must appreciate our helplessness. We must find joy in our weakness because only then we depend on the will of our Lord. Let God be the one who strengthens your faith. This is why Jesus said to those who are blessed and belong to the kingdom of the Lord, to those who are poor in spirit in Matthew 5 and 3. Now Romans 5 powerfully drives the same thought. Don't forget who you are. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. Romans 5 and 6 tells for when we were yet sinners without for when yet excuse me for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And then it goes on down in chapter 5, verse 8. But God commanded his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we see in five chapter Romans chapter 5, verse 10. But if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In closing, I just want to say, this weakness 
must lead us to two actions. The same actions we see in Gideon. First, Judges 7 and 15, we are, to, we are moved to worship. Secondly, Judges 7 and 16, we are moved to obedience. God receives the glory he deserved because of our helplessness. God received the glory because we become loving, seeking servants of our saviors. We are told to trust and obey the voice of the Lord. We know from God's word, it said we must be baptized. So if you need to be baptized, you need. it tells us in there to the best of our ability to obey God's word. It don't say just pick out the one you want to follow. We studied in Bible study this morning. If you uh, mess up on one of them, you mess up on all the commandments of God. If you fail, disobey one commandment of God, then you fall short of the whole glory of God. And if you have fallen short of the glory, you need to pray over the encouragement of the congregation. Whatever it be, we ask you to come forward and we stand the same. Our song of invitation. Wonderful story.